All right, this week, I believe we will conclude our short little series. By the way, I have forgotten to do this, but um, if you're not on our email list and you would like to be, we'll pass this around and you can fill one of those out and uh, you'll start getting emails. Um, I think we're going to conclude the series today, a little series on the sanctity of life, particularly focused on preborn children and abortion. We have been looking at a biblical view of life, namely that all human beings are made in the image of God, and um, just as that, that is just as true at conception as it is of us right now. We've looked at a biblical view of abortion, that it is the murder of a human being, an assault on the image of God. And we've looked at something of a biblical response, uh, the fact that we have a responsibility as God's people to fight for and, and care for um, preborn children, and we are called to minister the gospel as well to all people, including those who have had abortions. Um, We've seen that this is a massive evil in our day, but we also understand that this is not just an issue to be dealt with out there, but this really is our issue as the people of God. We're called to engage the chaos and work for order and harmony in our culture, in our society. We're called to be a voice for the voiceless, uh, particularly the weak and vulnerable who are at a social deficit in our society. And I would submit to you that no one fits that bill more than preborn children who are in danger in their mother's womb. So, having established all of this, uh, last week and this week, we're simply thinking about ways that we can be involved. And uh, last week, we talked about prayer. Um, it's uh, one of the most underappreciated ways that we can serve and uh, really I think we looked in detail at just the the magnitude of the help that prayer is and go back to Mark 9 perhaps this can only be cast out by prayer so uh, we want to pray we can pray for obviously the children who are uh, involved and uh, affected we can pray for the people and organizations that are fighting for the unborn on, uh, on the front lines. We mentioned life choices. We're going to talk more about these today. 40 Days for Life, uh, Bethany Christian Services, Lila Rose and Live Action, David Delight in the Center for, Center for Medical Progress. Probably a lot more that you guys know of. But um, we should pray for organizations. We should pray for our government. We should pray for our local government, state government, federal government. Pray for the Supreme Court who uh, executed the power to make it legal and has the power to make it illegal in our land. Pray for adoptive families um, who have their own unique challenges. We can pray for families with special needs who have uh, kept their children against, oftentimes against medical advice. Um, Pray for any people, any organization that's out there doing this good work and for those who are in high places that have power to change it. We should pray for God to restore a collective conscience to our nation, that the masses would see how wicked this truly is, uh, that he would start in the church. And, of course, we should pray for those who have had abortions, that, uh, yes, that their conscience would be afflicted, 
um, for deep and abiding conviction of sin, but also for the freedoms of forgiveness, of grace, of the gospel, and that the church would have a witness not only to the evils of abortion, but also to the goodness of the gospel. So in addition to prayer, uh, we can support these organizations with our time, and we can support them with our money. So we talked about life choices. Um, this is one of the organizations we support as a church. I know quite a few are personally involved with them as well or have been to some degree. Um, I mentioned before, but it's strategically located uh, right next door to Planned Parenthood on Poplar between Hollywood and East Parkway. Uh, Life Choices offers all sorts of things from, um, you know, STD testing to STD medical care to um, uh, sexual counseling to uh, prenatal care to uh, post-abortion counseling. I mean, they, they do it all. And uh, they offer all of their services for free. They're a 501c3. They're funded by lots of people. And um, they offer information on, adoptive, uh, on adoption and, and advice on that. But they're just, they're a pro-life option right next door to uh, Planned Parenthood, which is exactly the opposite. Uh, We're scheduled for a tour on Thursday, February 8th. What time again? 6.30. I've got an email queued up to send to you. Okay, you can do that, and I'll send it this week. It's actually the one at Grange, though, that you'll be touring. Okay. You'll go to the one next to Planned Parenthood. Okay. The same facilities, just just two options. That's fine. Should we try to do, like, child care here? Do you think that would help? What time will it be over? It's just an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And that includes a little bite to eat? And it will be at 6.30. So if we had child care here from 6 to 8 or 8.15? Yeah. Um, Jeff, the, the location makes it a little bit tricky to get back and forth from the church, so we need to definitely allow 30 minutes. Okay. Where is it again? You said Raleigh Grange? Raleigh Grange. Would it be helpful to do that childcare here, or should we just not? There's a very small possibility, not small. There's a chance we need to change the date, so I'll let y'all know this okay. for sure. Okay. But <coughs> well, we can talk about that too. But I would love to know y'all's feedback. I mean, I'll right now there's only just a couple people going, and they haven't mentioned childcare. Okay. So this may, I think, the email will help us kind of gauge. Yeah. If we need childcare. Okay. All right. Okay, Uh, another organization that we support as a church is 40 Days for Life. So when you hear the promotions to uh, peacefully and prayerfully stand on the sidewalk outside of Planned Parenthood, that is in conjunction with 40 Days for Life. I didn't realize that's only been around for like 10 years. Um, But I would encourage us all to pray for these organizations, but I would also encourage you to go and get boots on the ground. You never know how God might use you there. I think that there may be some uh, generational pushback for our demographic with that. Maybe it's seen as something the older generation does. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But, um, you know, every year throughout our nation, there are hundreds of testimonies of God using that specific, those specific events. Uh, People outside holding signs, praying to end abortion, Uh, peacefully, prayerfully, often silently, 
uh, protesting and, and how, you know, people say, hundreds of people every year say that they decided not to have an abortion because of that. Uh, they report, 40 Days for Life reports, uh, 14,000, I think too shy of 14,000 since 2007. Um, and that's not, that doesn't include the people that didn't tell them. You know, people that uh, go home and are afflicted in their conscience and decide not to have an abortion. But I think something to consider here is that our presence there serves as a conscience to the surrounding community. Now, some are resolute in their suppression of the truth, and uh, they hate, (laughs) many hate, that people are there. And I would say they just have a scorched conscience on this issue. Um, They haven't considered it in light of the truth. And if you decide to participate, you might quite possibly get a middle finger or two uh, because there are people that really don't like it. But there are also people whose consciences are alive and well and are made even better by the presence of the believers that go there. You know, Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth, and salt is a preservative, particularly uh, in that culture, preserving meat and that sort of thing. And so we are there helping, I mean, in lots of ways, but in this way particularly, helping preserve people's consciences, even help them to be better, and, and potentially helping preserve the lives of these preborn children. So I told you last week, I believe, about uh, the young woman and her aunt um, that this was a 17-year-old young woman who was pregnant. Her 26-year-old aunt was with her, took her to Planned Parenthood. Uh, They had just found out she was pregnant. And they come out and they just, I could see it on their faces and I asked them what's wrong. They say, well, they make it sound like the only option is abortion. I said, it's not. You can go next door. And they don't trust me. Who am I? You know, but look, I have a nice wife, you know. (laughs) uh, We were there and we ended up walking them over to Life Choices, and it was just a really special time. But they had a conscience, and I think their conscience was helped by us being there. During that same day, uh, there was another young woman, and uh, we had a little interaction that stuck with us with her as well. She was parked in the parking lot uh, right in front of the building. So most of the parking's around the side. I guess there's like one or two spots right in front of the building. But if you've been there, it's very close to Poplar and very close to the sidewalk. So like the building and there's room for like one or two cars and the sidewalk and you're like Poplar. I mean, it's right there. And Tiffany was pregnant, surprise, uh, at the time. <laughs> and I think you were quite pregnant, if I remember correctly. And so we're there holding signs, prayed into abortion or whatever. I can't remember what it said. But um, this young woman who was in the pastor seat, like we could have given her a high five. Um, the mood was different than that. But, I mean, we could have touched, reached out and touched her. She was that close. And she starts asking Tiffany a whole bunch of questions. And at, through the sort of, uh, process of the conversation, you can tell she's just conflicted. She's struggling. Here's this mother with a child in her womb and... You know, here I am, same thing, and she's just got this, she's struggling. We didn't have any further communication with her. I don't know what ended up happening. The, the security guard, you're not allowed to get into their parking lot. You have to stay, you know, the sidewalk is public, uh, but you can't go in their parking lot. They don't like that you're there. But um, anyway, she, you could just tell she was conflicted and uh, 
Again, our presence there, though it doesn't feel very significant, it's obviously being used for good. And there are stories of this all over the place. Um, So I would encourage you to go. And I, I want you to think about another angle of this. And we've talked about this a little bit. But it is noteworthy that both of these young women were African American, um, that were there for prenatal care. And uh, this, this woman that we were talking to that was close to us and also the young woman and her aunt. And the people that flipped us off were angry, young, white women driving Priuses. And I'm not even kidding. No offense to people who drive Priuses. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, was a, it was evident to me what is happening in our culture. There is a um, political agenda that is keeping a culture in bondage. The Planned Parenthood was started with very racist intentions. You can look it up yourself. Margaret Sanger was a proud uh, and wicked racist. And that is why they exist. Uh, they, they exist at Poplar and Hollywood, not Poplar and Forest Hill for a reason. And, you know, the people who are displaying the... the um, confusion are in the African American community because they've been they've been fed a bill of lies, and at least we can go even just with our presence and tell them the truth. It was eye opening to me. It broke my heart, and um, I, I think that it's not only a way to advocate for preborn children, for these women, but also for the African American community as a whole. And um, anyway. Um, I would encourage you to volunteer when 40 Days for Life comes around. Just do it. If you have children, bring them. If they're, if they're not too young, like I have some kids that would end up running out into Poplar. If they can mind you enough to stay on the sidewalk, it really would be good. Um, it's just seeing people walk in there will change you. And uh, go on an abortion day. Look it up. What day do they do abortions? And just meditate on what's happening. And it will, it's hard to leave apathetic. And I I would say that, you know, I've I've had my own internal pushback to this whole thing. And I've kind of, going there, changed that. (laughs) But um, because you you see what's actually happening, it's not angry um, protesting. It's just just standing here peacefully for life. And very little confrontation at all. I remember yeah. I talked to some, somebody younger in our church, and he was like, I can't believe anybody would go off there. That's just hateful and mean and getting people's faces. And I was like, it's not like that. It's not like that. Just stand there holding a sign. You might have confrontation in terms, I mean, I've been flipped off multiple times. Well, but yeah. um, but we're not going and getting anybody's face. No. We're just standing Yeah, most people aren't even speaking to anyone that goes in. Some people are uh, offering information if they're willing to take it about life choices or something like that. But um, here's a thought. If you have some pushback to the method, there's a Dwight Moody, you're probably familiar, Moody Bible College, and he's a big, he was an evangelist, I think, in the late 1800s. But someone, he was out, and he used to go and set up on a street corner on a box and preach the gospel. And uh, somebody came up to him and said, Moody, I don't like that you're out here doing this. This is not the way to go about it. You know, da, 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 da. And he got down and he was all ears. And he said, well, do tell, you know, what is your method? And he said, well, I don't have one. And he said, well, I think 
I'll just stick with mine. Um, and I, I think that that's a pretty good way to think about this. You know, are there other ways to go about it? Yeah, there are. But it's a legitimate method that is proven to help people uh, and can be done in love. And so I would uh, encourage you to consider that. Another organization that we support as a church um, that many of our people have been involved with personally is Bethany Christian Services. Uh, Bethany offers adoption services because, you know, as we love to talk about, being pro-life is not only about uh, caring for those that are in the womb, but also those who are already here. So um, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but we can get involved by uh, supporting these organizations that are already involved and that are on the front lines. We can also get involved via public advocacy and uh, personal witness. You know, I've already mentioned standing on the corner at Planned Parenthood. I mean, there's, there's some public witness there. But I would also say something that is a lot more attainable for uh, most of us, at least regularly, is social media. Um, you know, I took a class in seminary called The Pastor in the Public Square, and it was really about the philosophy of ministry for <coughs> pastors throughout the centuries and, and their conviction that we're not just here to um, minister within our walls but out into the, the community, into the public square. Well, we have an opportunity, not just as pastors but as all Christians, to do that in a unique way with social media. Um, I know that it can be abused and misused, and I think much of what happens on social media is unfortunate um, in terms of just the anger and hostility and, and uh, you know, ugliness. But it can also be really useful, and we can do it differently and be a light in that. Um, so not just about this issue, but this is certainly one where we have an opportunity to be advocates, to share if you personally support one of these ministries or, you know, it's just a way that we can be involved um, in our networks of people and in a very public way. Um, Another way to be involved is via the government. And, you know, maybe this is thought to be primary in a lot of people's minds. I don't know that it is, but I do think that it's very significant. Um, Again, a generational thing is kind of moving away from trying to do it there and no, it's not a political issue, it's a biblical issue and it is, it is primarily a biblical issue, but it also is a political issue. Um, if not for being decided in the highest court in our land, it would still be illegal. So there were legal decisions made that affected, made, made significant changes in this country to make it possible um, to just have abortions. So, you know, we do want laws to change. Um, laws serve to help the consciences of the people, right? The the law comes in to uh, increase the trespass. I mean, it, it comes to let us know we want laws that reflect what is true and right and good. And so um, it would be good to pray that laws change, but it would also be good to work uh, for that, you know, in supporting groups that are involved in this um, and even getting involved with elected officials and, and communicating there, um, supporting organizations that are fighting on the legal front lines. You know, I did mention last week, and I I really do think this is something. I mean, if I knew someone personally that was running for governor and they were running on a pro-life ticket, this is something that I would ask them. uh, Are you going to make abortion illegal in our state? And if you're not, you're not really pro-life. Because we are founded 
on states' rights. I mean, this, we're not a, you know, intended to be a federal government where everything's handed down from the top, but, but a government and, and a coalition of states. And so there's even a precedent all over the place for people right now, states, not abiding by federal laws um, in various issues. Marijuana is one of them, you know. But I mean, well, we hear what you're saying, but we're going to do it this way at the state level. Well, we could do that uh, via abortion, and particularly in states like Tennessee. Um, So to me, that is a major issue. I hear a lot of politicians saying they're pro-life, and I don't see a lot of politicians um, being convictionally pro-life in a way that will actually change things. And that's um, just a way that we should, I think, help and appeal to those who are representing us in that way. Another, uh, when I asked the life team, the MIT here, one of the ways that they all mentioned that we should get involved is education. Um, And not just educating others, but educating ourselves. You know, when you face this biblically and um, just statistically, it changes the way you think about it. I mean, before we talked about all the statistics a couple weeks ago, wasn't that a little bit sobering when you start to think about the way that you know, how many people, and um, it's just, you know, I confess, I grow apathetic. I, I think that that's a temptation when, when it's such a long-standing, enormous issue, and there are so many issues, and we live in the age of issues. <laughs> you know, everyone's issue is at the forefront, and I get that. And there are many legitimate ones. I'm not saying this is the only thing we should care about. I don't believe that. Um, but I think at least... We can prioritize thinking about this consistently, annually, making it a goal to read another book about it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, They mentioned a number of books, uh, Abortion, A Rational Look at an Emotional Issue by R.C. Sproul, The Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf. I mean, there are lots of good uh, resources out there. But I think even if you just go back and like the first two of these, this is a four-part little mini-series. The first two were about um, kind of the biblical roots of the issue. Just go back and listen to that and, and meditate on what the Bible says and, and statistically where we are and just listen to that prayerfully to God. I mean, there's... we Another thing, if you haven't watched those videos from David Delighton and the Center for Medical Progress, I mean, the undercover videos where he went in undercover to Planned Parenthood, you really should watch those. It's just, it's, um, we can't grow dull consciences on this. And uh, unless we keep it before us, we will. So uh, make it a priority. I'm not saying every day, but every year to stay fresh. You know, in this month, I'm going to try to read that book. And um, we don't want to grow apathetic. We, we need to educate our children about this. We need to read up on the issues and talk to them in age-appropriate ways. I talk to my little ones, little ones, about the fact that we live in a country that uh, kills babies, and uh, we need to pray for them. And uh, they they are rightly aghast at that. And you know, you can learn a lot by a child's reaction. They're not numb yet to it. Um, again, if they're old enough. I don't mean old enough to process it. They need to be exposed to... I mean, they can process this with you before God, but old enough just not to run into traffic. Um, You know, there's a little story. 
of a family that was going out to stand together. And uh, I forget where I heard this on a podcast or something. And one of the uh, little ones, four or five years old, comes out in their uh, <coughs> knight armor, you know, like the shield and the breastplate and the helmet and all that. And what are you doing? We're going to fight the bad guys. And uh, that's, that's cute. I mean, there's a, obviously they were like, okay, we're not going to wear that, actually. But <laughs> it's a little bit different, the nature of this war. But, uh, you know, but I, I think that it's okay to... to communicate that way and um, there is a war going on and finally another very important way that we can be involved is um, adoption and foster care and safe families Um, visiting orphans in their affliction is pure and undefiled religion and it is precious in God's sight Uh, safe families we're not talking about orphans they have uh, that's a temporary foster care type situation though not through the the um, state and uh, their parents just need to get back on their feet. Now, some of them are extended. I know the Malones have a couple boys right now. Is that right? Um, for an extended stay, maybe a year, or they don't know exactly how long. They came in November, and their plan is through June. Through June. Yeah. So some of them are much shorter than that. Um, you know, it's a good way to serve. And um, we uh, also with adoption, you know, I think that, I'm supposed to provide the caveat that not everyone is supposed to serve this way and God doesn't call us all the same way and, you know, all of that. Um, I grant that God doesn't call us all the same. There's great diversity in the ways that he calls us. But I would push back on the assumptions and uh, just ask you to think about something. Often when I hear God hasn't called me to do that, um, I wonder, how do you know? that God hasn't called you to do that? I mean, have you spent time really seeking Him on this? Uh, or is that just like convenient way to talk about the fact that I don't want to do it? I get that most people feel at capacity, and that seems insane. Uh, you know, I think what really comes out is weakness. I'm too weak for that, you know. But I would just say, well, weakness is a pretty good starting place because His power is made perfect in our weakness. And... Um, I think that instead of starting from the place of assuming that we're not called to do it unless God tells us we are, we might ought to start from the place that we are called to do it unless He tells us we're not. Um, When we look at the biblical case that visiting orphans in their affliction is pure and undefiled religion, that God loves the least of these, that God executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and He calls us to go and do likewise, I really think we should turn it on its head. And at least, you know, Kim Kilbrew said, she has said to our staff, when we were adopting, I just thought everyone at least considered it. And uh, that's not the case. But I would encourage you to consider these passages prayerfully and ask God what He would have you as your role to be. You know what will happen is we will end up with a lot of people that won't be called to adopt. Um, and they will be called to support financially or encourage or whatever it is. But I really think we ought to flip that on its head. Just a thought. Um, All right. I think so, too. All right. Let's stop here for a minute in case you guys want to talk about anything. Um, Chris, that last point is probably a good uh, introduction to mention the adoption fund that's available at our church now through Lifestyle for Orphans, another organization that we support through 
That's true. Do you know any specifics about that? No, not a lot. Yeah. Well, there are monies available via the session um, for someone who wants to adopt, but finances is an issue. It is an expensive <coughs> endeavor, um, locally and especially internationally. But not necessarily a full monies, but there are, I think, significant contribution available now for our church. That was something that really came up through you guys' adoption and. Um, Gary Bynum led that effort. I know worked with Ben and Blake to come up with a plan, and they presented to the session. So, um, yeah, that's a great, great point. And you know, Safe Families is always looking to expand, and um, and you know, some people aren't in a position to be able to do that. Um, it just wouldn't make sense, and that's that's okay too. But uh, what do you th- go ahead? Sorry, one more thing. I remember something the lesson that someone said to me in college. It's always stuck with me, just about making decisions and pushing back the curse and what is God calling you to do. And I remember Les said to me, if you're willing, he's calling. Hmm. And I just remember that really stung. You know, we have all these fears and all these what if, what if, what if. But I just keep remembering if you're willing, he's telling you to push back the curse. And so Hmm. that was really piercing to me. That is good. And I would add, if you're not willing, it doesn't mean he's not calling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, he he may change your, you know, it's at least something, all of these. I mean, look, we hear this and we need to understand that he has called his body to this, okay? I think we can hear this as individuals and be overcome and overwhelmed with, this is, okay, you want me to do this on Monday, this on Tuesday? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I think we at least need to go before the Lord and... uh, Consider in in sincere submission and prayer. This is a great evil, and you've called us to push back the curse, to be lights in the darkness, uh, to be the salt. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. How do you want me to be that here? So that's good. Do you all think that there's some truth to that in terms of uh, a resistance to maybe older methods and? Um, the Planned Parenthood thing or on the sidewalk or you said you talked to somebody that was younger. Yeah, somebody in our church. How young? Uh, he's 25. He, I, I couldn't get out there. I just, yeah. But he's also leans toward the side of, for a long time, he was like, well, I don't know what I think about it. Yeah. He came around. Yeah. He, he does not agree with abortion it's, it's, but how it's to wrong, go but about he, it? He would never stand, stand out there. there. And yeah, he, and he got the idea that it's a confrontational thing, and that you're being mean. To yeah. You know. A lot of people look at it like you know Westboro, Westboro. Yeah, Church and I think you're right. I think you're right, and um, all the more important not to be mixed up with Westboro, you know, and not to do it in a Westboro type way. But I would just push, I mean, I think, okay, what do we say if it's confrontational? Say, if someone is standing in front of any of you with a gun pointed at you, we're going to confront, right? I mean, we're probably going to try to do it in a way that's not going to get us killed, but we're going to confront, so I think it's just a misunderstanding of what's really going on. I think people don't realize that a lot of people just go and stand and pray. Yeah. They don't even talk to people. 
That's true. Most people just go and stand and pray. Um, Peggy Doherty's one that's really active in terms of trying to uh, give out information about life choices. I love that. She has just, it's got a hold of her, you know? She also, said, she also asks to pray. That's her way in. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And they, many will allow her to do that? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, my mom um, stood out there until her fall this year, and she always would say, you know, only, only one, only talk to one lady today, or only this, or only that. And I think it took her a while to realize that even if that woman chooses abortion, she spoke about Jesus to her so that if there is a regret later, yeah. there is, that woman could be changed yeah. in the future. I don't think it means that you have to argue with them in the street right. to get them to not abort the baby. They're going to make the decision they're going to make. Yeah. And legally, they have the right to do so. Yeah. So I think knowing that you can even just share the gospel so that when... I've never stood there. I don't know how I feel about it because I imagine I used to stand on the street when people threw hangers at me when I was a kid mm. with my family. Um, y'all know that old Down Poplar thing uh-huh. or whatever. And since then, I'm like, I don't know. My mom feels really passionate about it, and this is how she's chosen to do it. But I, mean, I think no matter what, you can share that she loves him because Jesus loves him. Yeah. So um, maybe it'll change later. You know, yeah. When the regret or the, the fear sets in when they've made a <coughs> poor decision. Yeah. It's just talking about, you know, our generation and piggybacking on Andy. I mean, you know, Matt and I talked to you last year, maybe even two years ago. That, I mean, we have dear Christian friends that were here, I think, for our daughter's baptism when the 40 Days for Life campaign mm-hmm. was going mm-hmm. on. And they were just kind of in shock that our church was supporting that and announcing mm-hmm. that from the pulpit. And, you know, I, I just, I, I'm proud of Grace in our church. You know, our church for taking a stance and, and saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we believe. And, you know, it doesn't, even if it offends people, I mean, they were, they were offended. Yeah. Um, that, you know, this is, this is the truth and this is yeah. what we believe. The gospel is offensive. This is not the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But... A lot of what's exposed here is our fear of man and our, our fearfulness to offend. But if someone, if you're going to tell someone the good news, they're going to have to understand something of the bad news. And frankly, if you're not saved and like submissive to God by His grace, you're going to be offended. The fact that you are going to stand before God and give an account of your life and you have already deserved His just condemnation and punishment in hell for all eternity. You either... Embrace that in faith and, and grow to love it, not because of that, but because of what He's done. Or you reject it because it's offensive. Um, even the cross is offensive to those who are perishing. But to those who are saved, it's, it's life. So don't be afraid to offend people. Don't unnecessarily offend people. You know, like we have to say both. It's, it's very important not to be an ass, not to be a Westboro. That is, I, that's so unnecessarily offensive and wrong-headed. And yet, you can be lovingly confrontational, and indeed we must be confrontational with the truth. It's just a part of the way that we witness the world. So uh, let's end there and go to church. I'll pray. Father... Um, 
Where I have erred, will you stop up ears? And uh, where there is wisdom from you, will you please help us to receive it and understand it and uh, apply it? God, we continue to call out to you to fight for these little ones, and we confess our fear, we confess our apathy, and we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, We thank you that you execute justice. Um, for them. And Lord, we want to know what that looks like. We know that that doesn't only mean like in the courts of law, but it also means uh, giving them their due, protection and care as image bearers of God. And so teach us, help us, guide us, lead us to apply in all of these ways, in, in ways that we can't even imagine, we haven't talked about. Um, will you please direct our paths and we pray that you would do so for your glory. And we do continue to pray. Lord, um, for those that that you would awaken consciences as people stand with 40 days upcoming and just awaken consciences in this nation, but not just so they'd know what is true, but so they would come to you, so that they would submit to you and love you and follow you. Uh, We pray that right at this point of confrontation that your gospel would go forward. And we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.